This is the Sheffield Vineyard Podcast. We love Jesus and we want to be a people that follow him with all of our lives. We love our city of Sheffield and we want to see it full of people who are full of the life that Jesus has to offer. When you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Jesus, uh, brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So, if you look at the first and pretty much only thing he tells them to do, this is before they're about to prosper. He says, "Look, before you do anything else, just love the Lord your God." Like it sounds pretty simple, yeah. But it's the first thing he's saying. But this is before they're about to prosper. Okay. If we look at verses like ten to twelve, look at all the things that. They're kind of coming into this land to receive. Yeah, you've got cities, houses, wells, vineyards. Like these are all things that they haven't had yet. Yeah, but they're about to receive them. Now, God loves to bless us and he loves to see us prosper. Like it's not a bad thing to have stuff. Discipleship doesn't necessarily mean to kind of sell all your things. Yeah, it does to some people. That's some people's call, but it's not everyone's call. Yeah, but if you do, if you are in a prosperous position and you have this stuff, like the Israelites were going into their promised land, remind yourself of the two kind of caveats that he gives in the passage. Yeah. So number one, remember where the stuff has come from, and number two, remember your priorities. So we look at number one. Again, this is in verses 10 to 12, yeah? Look at where this stuff has come from. So you've got the cities. Look, but look at what he says. He says, look, cities you didn't build, houses you didn't get all the stuff for, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig, yeah? You have all this stuff, but look, it's not, it's not come from your hard work and your stuff. It's come from God providing for you, yeah? That's a very key thing to remember. He's saying, look, you can prosper. That's not a bad thing, but remember that it's come from God. And the second thing, very similar to like the Timothy passage when he was talking about like put your hope in God first, yeah? Look at what comes first here, love the Lord your God. That comes before any of the commands, any of the, any of the commands, any of the kind of prosperous things that he talks about, yeah? Love the Lord your God first. But for that command to work and to have the desired effect, look at how all-consuming it needs to be. If you look at the stuff that comes after that, it's like, look at, you know, remember it when you sit up, when you lie down, when you go to bed, when you walk around, all that sort of stuff. It's pretty much all-encompassing of our whole life. That's what we've got to remember, yeah? And Moses is saying this stuff when they have nothing, yeah? Before they become comfortable in their prosperity. Now, that's, it's a much easier thing to do to kind of remember this stuff when you have nothing, to kind of rely on God when you have nothing, than it is to do when you have the stuff, Yeah? I think there's a real challenge for parents here. Like, the verse that stood out to me in that was kind of impress it on your children. Now, impressing on your children to love the Lord your God first 
when they have nothing, they don't really have stuff, they don't really have money. Like, imagine if that becomes their kind of worldview right from the start, then when they do have the stuff, when it all comes, it becomes second nature to them. It becomes a habit. I think the same is like for students as well. Like, Alex will give a talk later on uh, about money and about kind of giving. And students, if you're giving when you don't really have an income, if you're giving, like, even if it's just a tiny little bit, when you do have an income and when you have more money, when you have more stuff, it becomes much easier to give. Yeah? It becomes much easier to give lots more. So the difficulty for most of us is we live in a Western world, in a prosperous place. We all have quite a lot of stuff. We're comfortable with that stuff. If we kind of lose the stuff, we, you know, we're a bit uncomfortable. We're not sure. Like, we're not really in the same situation as the Israelites. We're not really starting with nothing. Like, it's very easy for me to not start a herbal tea cupboard, yeah? Because I don't really have herbal tea stuff, yeah? I don't really, like, it's very easy for me to not start that because I'm starting from nothing. Whereas my coffee cupboard, it's very hard for me to get rid of that stuff because I've got, I've got it already. I've become comfortable with it. But there's one technique that I think might help us out. So it's kind of taking any divide between the spiritual and the secular away. So an example is like praying is spiritual, like brushing your teeth is brushing your teeth. Okay? Or like worship is spiritual and like cooking dinner is just cooking dinner. Like it's a menial task. Yeah? If we can invite God into those menial tasks as a habit we slowly start to become thankful for what we have because God is now in the secular. He's in the moments when we're kind of using our stuff. Like, next time I kind of go shopping for a coffee gadget, yeah, if I find this cool thing and I want it, but I've remembered that I've become really thankful for the coffee that I made before on my really nice machine, I'd be much less likely to get it. So I'm like, hey, look look what God has provided for me already. He's provided me a great way of making coffee. Do I really need this stuff? Sarah has this cool book called Every Moment Holy. It sounds a bit silly, but it's basically like, it's got like liturgical prayers for menial tasks in. I was looking through it earlier. There's one for like when the electricity goes out. There's some liturgy for it. There's one for like changing nappies. There's liturgy for that as well. It's pretty crazy. But imagine the situation where you bring God into those menial tasks. Yeah. And if this becomes a habit, you slowly start to become more thankful for those little things, more aware of God's provision. And if we're more aware of God's provision, remember that that was one of the commands that Moses gave. Yeah, he was like, just remember that God has given you this stuff. You haven't done the stuff. Yeah, and if we're more aware of the importance of Moses' command, the less important your stuff is, the easier it is to hold it lightly. You see, we're switching our whole focus. We're focusing on God first, and the kind of the stuff you holding your stuff lightly is kind of coming out of that. Suddenly our whole like, mindset has changed. Yeah? We're not battling through our corridor of stuff anymore. We're just turning around. We're saying, look, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm walking towards Jesus. He is my focus. Suddenly the stuff is disappearing automatically. I, I'm a big like, forward planner. I like to have a lot of, kind of contingency plans and plan Bs and stuff like if stuff goes wrong. Like, for example, with money, like... If 
one of our cars were to break down or something, I'd be like, oh, should probably have a bit in the bank, you know, just in case, like, our car breaks down and we need to fix it. But what happens when I do that? Contingency plans are not a bad thing, yeah? It's good to be planned. But what happens when I do that is I start to fall back on them and I start to become reliant on them. And as soon as I become reliant on them, I become less reliant on Jesus. Yeah? If I end up kind of switching to my plan B, then what's happened is I go, oh, I'm so well planned. Well done, me. I stopped this situation from happening because I had a plan B. Yeah? Like Jesus is not really in the picture at that point. Sarah and I are in the process of buying a house at the moment. Um, And kind of when all that's gone through, our money buffer that we've kind of had behind us will be gone. Like, I know it's invested in a house and all that sort of stuff, but like the kind of, the cash isn't there anymore to like, you know, deal with emergency situations that might come up. And I've done like budgets and spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff for like making sure we can afford everything afterwards. But I think my biggest fear is like, what happens if something comes up and we can no longer afford it? Like, have we made a bad decision to kind of tie up all of that money in a house? But if we're putting the Timothy and the Deuteronomy passage that we've read together, yeah, if I put my hope in God first, if I remember where my prosperity has come from, if I remind myself of my priorities, all of this needs to come before my contingency planning. And if it comes before my planning, then suddenly I'm doing it with the right attitude. Yeah? I've got Jesus at the forefront of my mind. I'm using my gift of organization to plan, but it's still, I'm still attributing it all back to him. Like, my coffee analogy at the start was a little bit of a joke. It's a little bit true, but a little bit of a joke. And I think what my corridor is actually filled up with is kind of a reliance on contingency planning and plan Bs and plan Cs and all that sort of stuff. So your corridor cannot necessarily be full of stuff, but it can be full of other things that you find hard to live a simple life. So maybe it's like speech, simplicity of speech. Maybe you like to be the talker in the group. Maybe it's like simplicity in the way that you dress, or, you know, just little things like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be the stuff that you have. Yeah, God's calling us to live simple lives in other ways as well. You'll probably have something similar, something that, like, however hard you try, you know you're kind of fighting a losing battle with it. Like, you're becoming more reliant on that than you are on God's provision. But before you even try and tackle that with kind of your mental willpower or your like brute force, yeah, remind yourself who provides, remind yourself what is priority, and the reliance on God will reap the rewards. Yeah? If you turn around in your corridor towards him, if you follow his commands, if you impress them on your children, think about them when you sit up, when you lie down, if you make every moment holy, suddenly you'll find you're living with those traits of simplicity without even realizing it. Yeah? It's kind of, you haven't had to tackle them yourself. You're tackling them by focusing on Jesus. And suddenly you're walking towards him and away from the stuff. This series is on discipleship. So I thought I'd leave you with like a couple of examples of the disciples and kind of how they've lived or how their calling came about, I guess. So... Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, 
Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Another one from Matthew 9 says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. You can, you can see the similarity between like, all three of those. Like Immediately they got up and they followed him. You can just imagine them doing like a full 180 and saying, Look, I'm going to leave my career, my life. I'm just going to drop it all there for you, Jesus. Like, we know the disciples led simple lives afterwards. Yeah, we can kind of see in the rest of the Gospels like the way that they lived. And they achieved that by just spending time with Jesus. They were just there like for all his miracles. They understood how he talked, how he thought, how he did stuff, how, how much stuff he had. And this was just achieved by just basically saying yes to Jesus. Yeah, It wasn't achieved by like, thinking how much they could sell their boats for or their fishing nets or stuff like that, yeah? Look, they immediately just dropped all their stuff. They turned around, they said, look, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And suddenly all that stuff was easy, easier to drop. To work out what we need to say no to, what the things that maybe aren't simple in our life, we've got to work out what we need to say yes to first, I think. And if we're saying yes to Jesus... Yeah, if we're turning towards him and saying, look, I put my trust in you, I put my hope in you, then suddenly the no's will automatically start to fall into place. Yeah, the more time we spend with him, the more time we become like him. Obviously, Jesus was like the ultimate simple person. Yeah, those no's will kind of automatically start to come. So shall we stand and we'll, we'll pray. Yeah, I'll just kick us off in prayer then. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you led the perfect life as an example for us, Lord. I just pray that we would learn to love you more, to follow you more in your ways, and that that would lead to us leading a life that you want us to lead, Lord. A simple life full of generosity, full of a willingness to share. Come on, Lisa. We'd love to invite you to be part of the community at Sheffield Vineyard. You can head to the website and find more information about how you can serve, join a life group, get involved in church life in general. Bless you and have a great week.